Welcome to Onco Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm a professor of pharmacy practice here at our supporting sponsor, ETSU's Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. It's the end of December, uh, second to last week of December, and um, you know it's time for the end of year pod where we look back at the drug approvals at Oncology Pharmacy this year. Uh, got some good feedback on this last year, so we'll we'll run this back, uh, and we'll look at each. You know, it's it's the season of giving. So let's look at the gifts that we have received in the oncology pharmacy community. Look at these gifts, uh, these new drugs that were approved, and ask ourselves, are we going to keep this gift for ourselves? Are we going to re-gift this, re-gift this for somebody else? Are we just going to return it? We don't want it. It doesn't fit. It's not our style. Don't need it, and we're going to send it back, okay? And also as a reminder, this is just to be fun. It's a holiday season. Um, so we're going to go in reverse chronological order here. Uh, so just uh, like last Friday, uh, NATO Gene for Adenovec, uh, which brand name is Adstaladrin. Adstaladrin, fun to say. Um, so as you maybe could guess from the Adenovec uh, in this two-word drug name, it's, a, um, it's an adenovirus vector, uh, non-replicating, I assume that means non-infective. Non-replicating antivirus vector encoding the gene for interferon uh, uh, alpha 2b, right? So this then is going to, uh, it's delivered um, intravesicularly, so it gets instilled into the bladder, and then it's going to deliver a copy of the gene to make interferon 2b uh, in the bladder endothelium, um, and then those... uh, the cells in the bladder are going to make a whole bunch of interferon. It's going to cause local um, immune response, similar to what you get with BCG. Speaking of BCG, that's who this is for. This is um, approved um, uh, for patients who are BCG unresponsive. Uh, there were 103 people in the study, 98 who could be evaluated for response. So they had uh, to be BCG unresponsive for their bladder cancer. Uh, the uh, that have uh, high risk uh, non-muscle invasive bladder cancer carcinoma in situ, so not invading uh, through the the bladder wall, uh, through the muscle through the muscle of the bladder, had to persist after BCG treatments, and they have definitions for what's sufficient BCG. It's not just they got like one dose. They had to get enough BCG, and it either was persistent or it recurred within a certain period of time. Um, uh, the response rate uh, was 51 percent. Um, complete response rate, 51%, meaning no, uh, no more muscle invasive bladder cancer, uh, which seems a, it's a decent bar, decent bar for BCG unresponsive. Uh, their median duration of response was nine months. Um, of those who responded, 46%, let's call it half, had a response for more than a year. Um, the range of the duration of response was from three months to 52 plus months. So somebody still has a response going, um, you know, f- for four plus years later. So certainly there's some activity here. There is, uh, there is a warning that, uh, you know, this, if you have persistence of disease and it's a high risk BCG unresponsive, you could just take those folks straight to cystectomy right then. And that you risk the cancer progressing to becoming muscle invasive that's, that starts to get where you need chemotherapy. Um, so that's, that's one of the warnings. The adverse drug events for this are, are mostly local. So uh, installation site discharge, they call it. I guess that's just, isn't that just urination? Uh, bladder spasm, hematuria, dysuria, or flu-like symptoms, right? It's interferon 
alpha, uh, you're not giving interferon alpha, you're giving the gene for interferon alpha, and then just the cells in the blood are gonna be making that, is how it's supposed to work. Uh, so flu-like symptoms included fatigue, chills, and pyrexia at, at pretty decent rates. Uh, not like 80%, but, but 10, 15, 20%. But seems to be well tolerated. It is a, a novel mechanism of action. Uh, it's a, another agent that you could use for people who are BCG unresponsive, or if we have you know, a BCG shortage, something that could potentially be used. Don't know what the cost is gonna be. It is gene therapy, so I'd expect it to be pretty expensive. So I'm gonna keep this gift. Now this is a pretty high-tech gift. So this could end up being like uh, a gift that you get for your parents, your grandparents. I'd say it's a couple years ago, you get them like a Blu-ray machine, Blu-ray player. Uh, you get some sort of fancy uh, technology thing, some new computer, some new app, uh, and they, they, they don't know how to use it because it's too fancy and they never end up using it. And this might be that, but I'm gonna keep this as it is, okay? All right, the next gift to consider is uh, a Dagrasib. Um, which, uh, this was presented at ASCO. This is the Crystal One study. The brand name here is uh, Krasati, uh, or Craze-a-T, tea. I don't think you should name your drug name so that somebody could say Crazy-T to it. Um, this is a RAS inhibitor. It's approved in a second-line treatment of metastatic non-small cell lung cancer for, for lung cancer to have the KRAS G12C mutation. Uh, very similar to Satoricin, which is also covalently binds to the same, I think it's a cytosine residue, on KRAS um, G12C mutation. Doesn't inhibit wild-type tick KRAS. Um, this is an accelerated approval, as we're used to, so yes, based on response rate of 43% in 112 patients, you know the story. Let's compare uh, adagrasib to satoricib. Um, so adagrasib's BID, satoricib's daily, so I like satoricib better there. We look at our warnings, precautions, so serious toxicity to watch out for. There is one for GI uh, toxicity um, with uh, adagrasib, nausea, and vomit, diarrhea, cause dose reduction in 29%, almost a third of people. And they, like, we're really used to drugs causing nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. They don't always put a, a warning in the label. So that's notable to me. There's not a warning for satoricib. Both of these KRAS uh, G12C inhibitors have um, warnings for increased LFTs and hepatotoxicity and interstitial lung disease, as does any TGI for lung cancer, pretty much. Uh, adagrasib also has a QT prolongation warning. Uh, you can take adagrasib while taking a PPI, an H2 blocker, and acids, um, whereas satoricib, the absorption is reduced um, in that uh, with satoricib, so uh, you have to avoid PPIs and acids, etc. with satoricib. Uh, adagrasib is a 3A4 inhibitor, while interestingly, satoricib is a 3A4 inducer. Um, so it's kind of a Me Too drug, you know, seems to be similarly effective if you make a cross-trial comparison, uh, which you're not supposed to do. Different toxicity profile, actually satoricib seems a little bit more favorable. Um, you know, with satoricib as a 3A4 inducer, you're probably more likely to see drug interactions that make other drugs less effective, like, uh, you know, like a, a Xarelto becomes, uh, concentration becomes lower. Whereas adagrasib, you worry about increasing toxicity of drugs if they're on other drugs. So this is a regift, right? It's got a use, but I don't know that I, I necessarily need this right now. Uh, so this is a regift, right? Uh, also this month, we had uh, olutacidinib. That's the IDH1, uh, the second IDH1 inhibitor that was approved for relapsed refractory AML. Um, Reslidia? Reslidia? Reslidia, we'll call it Reslidia as a brand name. It's a Me Too drug, 
we're gonna re-gift this. All right, talked about this a few weeks ago. All right, going back to November, we had Mervituximab Seraptocine, brand name Ella here, uh, more like out of here. Um, this is the folate receptor alpha uh, inhibiting targeting antibody drug conjugate. Uh, it's ototoxic. It already has a phase three study that was published in 2021 showing no benefit. Um, I don't see a need for this drug. I would return this. I'm going to return uh, Mervituximab seraptocine. All right. Uh, in October, tremolimumab. Uh, and actually, it was, it was approved in October and November. I had two approvals this year, tremolimab. First time it got on the market after more than like a decade in development for indications for uh, hepatocellular carcinoma and not small cell lung cancer. Um, the HCC approval was compared to something that's not standard of care. Uh, we have lots and lots and lots of options in non-small cell lung cancer. Uh, it is another CTLA-4 inhibiting monoclonal antibody like ipilimumab. If it was better than ipilimumab, it would have been on the market a long time ago. I'm going to send this one back as well. So this is a return. All right. Uh, in October, we had teclistamab, tecvaly. Uh, tecva yeah, tecvaly, I think. Uh, this is a, uh, a, a T-cell engager, bispecific, uh, so part of it binds to BCMA, B-cell maturation antigen on the myeloma cells, and T-cells uh, binding to CD3. Um, I'm going to keep this, all right? This is going to be, I think it's going to be a good drug. Uh, it's a toxic drug, right? But, uh, but it is effective. It's an off-the-shelf type of drug. It doesn't require collecting cells, sending off to a manufacturing facility. So I think that's going to be something that really provides a value targeting BCMA for these patients. Um, it does have a REMS program. So it's a little bit like a gift that has an obligation. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a Seinfeld episode where somebody gets a gift to like the Super Bowl. Great. Downside, you don't get to choose who you sit with because the guy that bought the ticket, you got to sit next to him and maybe you don't like him. Um, and yeah, we don't, like, we don't like the side effects here, but you got to deal with it to be able to go see the Super Bowls. So you got to deal with the REMS program and the side effects to use teclistamab. So, but I'm going to keep teclistamab. I think it's going to be a good drug, um, a good place for it. Um, uh, looks to be pretty effective too. Uh, all right, so in uh, in September, into September, uh, Fudibatinib was approved. Light Gobi. Um, this is an, for FGFR2 uh, fibroblast growth factor receptor 2 mutated cholangiocarcinoma. Um, it also inhibits FGFR uh, receptor isoforms 1, 2, 3, and 4. Um, it's like the FGFR inhibitors, IFOS, got hyperphosphatemia, eye toxicity. Uh, we have several of these on the market. Uh, I think this is the third. This is a regift. Uh, we've talked about that before. So that's a regift. Um, you know, and when I say that we're going to regift something, um, not only is it because it's for a Me Too drug, but it's a drug that is in a metastatic setting that has some benefit. But it's not like we're, you know, it's not curative, right? If you had something that cured people, we definitely want to keep this. Uh, but, um, you know, there are some people who may benefit from this versus another Me Too drug in the same class, but um, seems to be uh, something that has utility, but we don't need it, going to re-gift it. Uh, next, uh, in September, going backwards, sodium thiosulfate, Piedmark, FDA approved to prevent ototoxicity in children receiving cisplatin chemotherapy. I'm going to keep this, right? Uh, very, I think, nicely designed study to prevent toxicity from cisplatin, but not negate the efficacy of cisplatin in these kids. Logistically, it's very challenging based on how long you have to wait after cisplatin administration to give it. Um, but I do think it's certainly worth it if we can help 
uh, prevent hearing in some kids. Uh, so this is this is a key, right? It's a, it's a medication safety thing. It's going to improve the tolerability of a drug in the long term. You know, kids when they get a toxicity for this, it can be you know a lot of years they go on with that toxicity if it becomes permanent. So uh, I think this is a keep. Okay, uh, that was September. They got it all the way to back into June to get the next one. Lysocatagene marilucel, Brianzi. This is for uh, it's a CAR T product. Uh, CD19 targeting for cyclic treatment of large cell B cell lymphoma. It's it's a keep. Uh, it is a me too drug, but you know you know the more CAR T products. Maybe there's some competition. Maybe one is better. Maybe one is more reliable. Uh, but this can be a bridge to people getting a curative treatment with a transplant. So we're going to keep that. We're going to keep lysocathagene maraluso. Uh, then we go to March um, of 2022. Lutetium 177 uh, vipivotide. Uh, Tetraxetine, Pluvicto. Uh, this is approval is based on the Vision trial. This is a radionucleotide targeting PMSA, a prostate marker um, on prostate cells. Um, the Vision trial, they, they, they got this radioactive nucleotide and then they compared them to standard of care. The standard of care, you couldn't get chemo, right? Now, most of these people already received maybe docetaxel, but there's capacitaxel there. They couldn't get that. They couldn't get radium-223, which has an overall survival benefit. It's completely, I, I don't know how anybody on IRB let this study be done in their institution. Um, I have no idea if this drug is effective for the people it's going to be given to because the, the comparison trial was so inferior to standard of care. So this is return. I don't want this. I'm going to send it back. I don't need it. This is like Google Glass, like those glasses that are Google, like glasses with Google in them. Nobody use those. Send it back. All right. Also in March, we had a relatlimab nivolumab combination, Opdualag. Um, uh, nivolumab we all are familiar with. Uh, relatlimab is a LAG3 inhibitor, so this is a new immune checkpoint inhibitor. And the history of immune checkpoint inhibitors outside of tremolimumab is they, they first get approved in melanoma and they, they expand their, their reaches into other disease states. And I certainly hope that there would be some activity for a LAG3 inhibitor uh, for case of resistance to other immune checkpoint inhibitors perhaps, but certainly it's exciting to get a new target that's approved. So this is a keep. This is a keep. We're gonna keep Opdualag, the relatlimab nivolumab combination. Uh, in uh, February, we had uh, siltocatagene autolucel, uh, Carvicti, this is a BCMA targeting uh, CAR-T for multiple myeloma. I'm gonna return this. I've already got teclistimab that I'm keeping. I'm gonna return this one, okay? Uh, also targeting BCMA, a lot, of, a lot of talk in ASH about patients who develop uh, disease progression on a BCMA target agent. Can you use another one? Seems that not always, but in some cases you can. Maybe there's uh, a role for measuring soluble BCMA perhaps. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I think that the clistamab would be easier to administer and faster to administer. Um, and until we see a head-to-head -head comparison of which BCMA target uh, approach is better, uh, I will, I'll keep to clistamab uh, for ease of administration and production uh, and return uh, siltocatagene autolucel. Again, myeloma disease, anyone who works outside, who, who's not a myeloma expert, say it's not curable. That's what I say. The people in myeloma talk about their different definitions of cure and maybe cure is uh, you don't have to take drug and you don't have any side effects from drug and the disease doesn't come back. Anyway, they're talking about definitions of cure, it seems. Um, all right, last drug to talk about. Uh, in January, uh, Tibentafusp, uh, so a fusion protein, basically, approved for uvule 
melanoma that's metastatic. Um, this is the uh, bispecific GP100 peptide and an HLA uh, CD3 engager, but only for those folks who have the HLA allele star 02 colon 01, which I think is like half of the Western European, North American, aka white people population. Um, so it's not going to benefit everybody. It seems to be an approval geared towards the, the more wealthy nations um, when they designed it. It does have an overall survival benefit compared to, uh, you know, to physician's choice, which is Pembro, Ipilimumab, or Dicarbazine. No, no one should be using Dicarbazine for metastatic melanoma. Only 6% got Dicarbazine. 82% got Pembro. Um, the cat microbes are what we'd expect. You know, you, you see maybe a little bit of PFS benefit, but you know, you don't always, the PFS benefit with immunotherapy doesn't always correlate to overall survival benefit. We do see that here. Uh, it's a new type of product. It's not going to benefit everybody. It is very, it is very niche. It's, it's almost like a new set of golf clubs. You have to be a golfer to benefit from it. So you have to have that HLA uh, 0201 genotype to benefit from it. But for those that do, it's kind of like, you know, a, a new 60 degree lob wedge. You're excited about it when you get it. So I'm going to keep that one. So I think that's something like 13 gifts, maybe 14. I think it's 14. 14 gifts, and uh, we are going to keep six, re-gift four, and return four of our 14 gifts, um, which is, uh, you know, not the best, not the best utility in this highly scientific process of did we get, you know, what we what we asked for from from Santa this year and our gifts. I got 14 gifts, really only want to keep six of them. Uh, I think that says quite a bit about uh, the drugs that we're getting uh, and where, um, you know, any drug can get to market, uh, but we don't seem to have incentives for great drugs and to, to find great drugs to get to market. Um, but I don't know, I don't know. Every now and then there'll be a Pembro or Nivolumab and it gets then used everywhere to, to some pretty great success in certain disease states. All right, that's it for Oncofarm Pod in uh, in 2022. Talk to you again in 2023, uh, talking about you know how we all can hopefully make this really complicated disease state that's really complicated, even more complicated every year. In 2023, it'll be harder to take care of patients with cancer than 2022 because there'll be more drugs, more knowledge that we all have to to come up to speed with, and I hope that. Uh, this podcast um, uh, helps you uh, maybe get up to speed a little bit easier, helps you take care of patients. That's why I do it. Uh, doing it also helps me because uh, I, I want to put out an episode every week, so I have to I have to learn something new every week or most weeks. Uh, so uh, I, hopefully you get some fraction of benefit from it that I do. That is my holiday wish to you. Thank you all again for uh, for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at FarmDeetNib. You can follow both the podcast. Uh, you can follow the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram at Pod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter.